Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. It is Combine Week in Indianapolis. The NFL has descended upon the Circle City. I'm Kevin Bowen, Joey Molinaro, back another edition of Kevin's Corner. Uh, we won't be very long today. We won't get into a deep amount of Twitter questions, but when Jim Irsay talks for 30 minutes, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to recap it. So um, that'll be the kind of the basis of today's podcast. Joey and I will come back, uh, depending on kind of our, our schedules this week. I'm shooting for Wednesday afternoon. If okay. that works, um, I'll be I'm co-hosting the morning show Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and so maybe kind of a later Wednesday afternoon sort of thing. And that's from the Combine, right? From the Combine, yeah. Chris Bauer. We were taping this Monday around lunchtime for those of you that are listening to it at a different time. But uh, Chris Bauer and Frank Reich will talk tomorrow. That will be Tuesday. I think Ballard's late morning and, and Reich is in the afternoon. And uh, then once you get through that part of it, like, the Colts-specific nuggets are pretty much there for, for the entire week, um, unless some other news trickles out from downtown Indianapolis. But, uh, yeah, man, let's um, let's hop right into it. Okay, cool. Uh, the presser yesterday. I mean, we stop, you start and stop right there. Jim Mercer calls a press conference on Saturday. On Sunday, it's happening. What are our takeaways? Boy, well, I, let's just first start with the email, Joey. I'm, like, sitting there and – Get an email on Saturday afternoon. They're like, oh, yeah, Jim Mercer's going to have a press conference tomorrow at 2. He's going to talk Colts, Combine, philanthropy. I'm like, I've, yeah, I, I'm like what? On a Sunday afternoon at 2? Mm-hmm. I was very, very thrown off by this. And, of course, with how we've dealt with Colts news over the past year, your first instinct is like, all right, what the hell? But there's got to be more. Why? I and I still am a little a bit confused by the timing. Um, for the most part, I think Jim Irsay wanted to have the press conference to stand on a table for mid market teams and to stand on a table for the city of Indianapolis and trying to keep the combine here, mm-hmm. which is awesome. I I absolutely love that. My opinion, and I well hell I you know. The, been been fired by them so i probably shouldn't give my opinion but um from a pr standpoint i'm kind of thinking why not do that like wednesday or thursday of this week sure maybe at the convention center get more national attention on it i was at the presser yesterday it was the locals of the locals i mean literally it was the regulars the 10 12 people you you expect to be at every colts press conference throughout a 16 week nfl season so um 16 game nfl season so uh this is unlike anything Jim Irsay really has ever done. He he doesn't have – he talks day three of the draft every year, but that's kind of just an impromptu when there's a lull in the draft. He kind of walks into the press room. He, he doesn't have anything scheduled like this on an annual basis. It's not like a, oh, the Combine's back, and here I am meeting to talk to you every year. And that's why I facetiously tweeted, you know, Lux coming back to that <laughs> report because – when you're sitting there thinking, I remember the past few years, I was like, I don't think this is a regular thing, nope. just like you mentioned. And so I'm like, okay, something has to be something. up. Something. And, you know, with, with Jim, and I and I feel bad saying this, 
in the back of your mind, Joey, you're always wondering health-wise. Mm. You know, like those are the th- – I mean, trust me, I, I thought the luck thing for, for a couple seconds, you know, a, as well as I think any normal human being yeah. would, would do. Um, but really, it, there was nothing outside of the big combine thing and also credit to the RSA family donating $1 million to alcoholism in the state of Indiana, um, just more of their – philanthropic side which I know we touched on a little bit on last week's podcast there was nothing more than I want the combine to stay in Indy and I felt like Jim made some really good points you know he talked about how this should be a sacred event and he threw out the figure in the next five years NFL teams will spend approximately 40 billion on player contracts wow and this week is the most important week the NFL has in evaluating players, you know, one-on-one sort of interactions with them, whether it is during the 15-minute interview process or it's medically or it's the on-field workouts, all of those things. And Ursay is pretty much like, this is our job fair, if you will. Don't touch it. Don't do things that all of a sudden, logistically, you're out in L.A., and just because a few more people are going to watch on TV, or yeah. I, I really don't even know what, aren't the same amount of people going to watch in primetime if sure. it's in L.A. or if it's in Indy? Like, it, it, it doesn't really matter to me. And obviously, Jim's got some stake and just some civic pride, which as a you know a, a citizen of, of this state and this city, both you, you and I absolutely love that. Um, so, yeah, and that was it. And then I, I also did think it was a bit of uh, – I thought it was been like just kind of hype fest, just kind of team hype fest of like, oh, yeah, one of those season tickets going out again. Oh, God, March is about to be here. <laughs> let me uh, let, let me check my schedule there with with, uh, with a little bit of that. But I, I think you get some of that out of Jim Mercer no matter whenever he talks. Did you have a luck story ready? I have a couple the, of the... luck graphs ready. I, I, I have, like, a Vinatieri retirement ready. Yeah. I have, like, a luck couple graphs ready. And I, I sat down in my seat, like, probably, like, 145 in the press conference at 2. And that's just kind of like that awkward time where it's like you're talking to all the media members, and then you're kind of sitting there just that blinking cursor looking back at you and your document that I'm going to take notes on. And I'm like, should I be just, like, carving out a few more luck stuff? Like, should I go to Getty Images, get the luck picture ready? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You you are because if he scroll if he strolled through that door, oh my god, world explodes. And of course, like my head's on a swivel. I'm like, where's the golf cart? Yeah, where where and and, right. there, and there's only one seat at the at okay. the uh, at the table. So that's when I I, I kind of rested a little bit. But in true Ursay fashion, hell, he he talked about his sermon that happened at church. He talked about John Lennon. He <laughs> talked about at one point he talked about a white man, an old white man with a beard. And I was mid-typing, like, something else. Yeah. And I'm like, is he talking about Santa? You don't know. Right? He could have been. Like, that's a yeah. that's a very justifiable he wants, thing. Uh, he wants the Colts to have a Thanksgiving game every year. I'm like, that is really random. And Where does that, yeah. Doesn't every NFL team <laughs> right. want to have, like, a, a Thanksgiving game every year? And he was very adamant, uh, which, again, and we'll, we'll we'll get into a few of the bigger topics, but he was really adamant about no home prime or no home nationally televised game last year. Mm. Which the more I think back on that, I'm shocked by that. The Colts won a playoff game last year and Andrew Luck was your quarterback when the NFL schedule was made in April. And yet and again, the home schedule was 
not great from an opponent standpoint. Yeah. You would think luck would have been a draw. Maybe they knew something. We, you uh, you think initially at least the Carolina game, you know, the two number yeah. one picks. Yeah, that's a great storyline there. Sure. I mean, can't you throw Houston in prime time? I mean, Watson obviously right. is a – that was just a regular Sunday at 1 o'clock. And how about the Russell Wilson comment? What do you say? Oh, did, you, did you miss that? No. Yeah. So he's talking about luck. And all of a sudden, he's just like. Oh, I think I did see this. Yeah. They were going to draft him? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. He's like, you know, in the fourth round, we were going to take Russell Wilson. And I'm just like. <laughs> I feel like we're getting to the territory now where it's like. NFL teams are, yeah, I mean, we had Tom Brady great as a third rounder, but we just didn't need a quarterback. Are, be, aren't we almost getting there with, with Wilson? Well, to be an NFL owner, you know, just you don't have to answer to anybody. Nobody's going to say jack squat <laughs> to you about point. any of it. You could literally be, you could talk about Santa Claus. You could talk right. about how they, I mean, it's fair game. That seems like a lot Anything of fun. Anything goes. Yeah. Seems and like yeah. a lot of fun. So now I'm like looking up the 2012 draft during the middle. Of, I think I looked up that when he was talking about the old man who has the white beard. Wilson was taken 75 overall in that draft. Dwayne Allen was the Colts' first third-round pick, mm-hmm. you know, about 10 spots higher. Then the Colts traded back into the third round and took T.Y. Hilton, I think, at 92 overall. Um. So, yeah, I guess Grigson and company, I mean, that to me is more of a Grigson call than a, like, Andrew Luck draft pick is an Ursay call. Once you get in the third round, that's, Grigson's calling the shots. That, that would have been an interesting move. It, it would have been similar to what Washington did. Mm-hmm. Washington went RG3 and then. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. Had a little bit in, of a backup plan. That was in round four, I think, is where they got Cousins. So, <laughs> yeah. Man. God bless Jim Mercer. Yes, wild for sure. But Andrew Luck, we didn't get the crazy news that you're thinking of. But still, even saying that, there were some sound bites in there that you're like, what is going on here with Andrew Luck and Jim Mercer? You know, Joey, I feel like he sounds like a hopeless romantic with his affinity for Andrew Luck. It's like the great Gatsby. Yeah. that is. He's just always one. looking out to the end of the tunnel, like waiting. Like, you know? is he going to appear? Is he going to show up? Yeah. He's going to come. His quote was, Andrew's my friend and I miss my friend. Yeah. That was his first sentence. And I literally was like, it's my friend. Oh, oh. Like I felt legit. I was like, that's 10-year-old Kevin Bowen and his next door neighbor just moved to Texas. Like. Did that really happen? No, oh. but like, you know, mom, I miss, you know, Stephen Esmond never moved. But like, mom, I wish Stephen Esmond and I could go in the backyard and play base, you know, hit yeah. home run derby. Like. It's like Shawshank Redemption. It's like uh, Red and yes. uh, Andy yeah. Dufresne, you know? Like, you kind of like, something's, I don't know, like, your heart's been ripped out yeah. a little bit, and I don't know if he's waiting for the girlfriend to still come back or whatnot, but, um, yeah, the, that was his first comment. And then he did mention that Luck has had dinner with Frank Reich and Chris Bauer, I believe separate dinners. Okay. That's notable. Um, Andrew Luck has not fallen off the face of the earth and he still keeps in contact with the Colts and very important people within the Colts. Now, Jim Irsay mentioned that he has not asked Andrew directly the question of, do you want to play again? Will you play again? 
those sorts of things. But he, what's odd about that is he continues to hold out this hope as if he already has asked that question or talked to him about it. You're kind of like, you're like, how do you not ask that question? Why are we ignoring the elephant in the room? Like, you can be, and I think Chris Bowden and Frank Reich are really good human beings. So I think, like, they want to know about, hey, Andrew, what's it like being a dad? Like, there is, like, a, a good amount of that of, like, for sure. You were mentally, Andrew Luck was in a very mentally fragile place mm-hmm. in August. And how much of the amount of relief did he get off his shoulders, off his chest, if you will, with this decision? But, I mean, come on now, you know? It's like, are we are we just going to act like that question's not there? And I don't know. It's just a delicate, delicate thing. Basically, this is it. Jim Mercer refuses to slam the door shut on Andrew Luck being retired. It's one thing to do it on August 24th, 5th, whenever that press conference was, when he said, oh, Michael Jordan came back, Tiger Woods came back. Like, I I don't know if Tiger ever retired. Right. Came back from something else. Yeah, exactly. Um, We're six months into this. Chris Bauer just said a month ago, hey, people, we need to accept it. We've got to move on. Jim Mercer's saying, hell no. I'm nope. not moving on. Yeah. I am still leaving the door open. And you know what? If I were Ursay, I really don't know how I would feel. You, again, let's put ourselves in Jim Ursay's shoes. That's crazy environment to be in, but let's do it. He is an owner of an NFL franchise thinking that his quarterback just had come back and been the comeback player of the year, said that he had his most fun ever playing the game of football. He, he seemed like he was in a perfect place. And you're set up for the next 10 years with him, and seemingly your arrow for your franchise is pointing straight up. Super Bowl talk was legit. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, the shockwaves happen. How would you feel? Well, I, and again, Ursay is already an emotional human being to begin with. Now you throw that onto it. I mean, continuing with the romance thing, it's like you're head over heels with your future spouse, and then, you know, the day before the wedding, Boom. calls it off. Boom. Yeah. Hey, I've been, you know, cheating on you with your best friend. I mean, something yeah. crazy yeah. like that. That's the sort of feeling that I think Ursay continues to still be going through. I mean, how could you not look up there and, and read those quotes, watch him, and just be like, man, that guy needs a hug. Um, So, I... <laughs> I don't think luck is coming back, obviously. You know, we we have to go off of Ballard's words, which I think are the most sane words, honestly. Uh, you know, Oliver Luck's comments around the XFL saying, you know, he seems very content. But, I mean, luck knows the optics of this. Like, when you go have dinner with Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, the optics are the optics. People are still going to be like, Hey, what you talking about? What the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Who's the waiter, or the waitress that we need to wiretap and, and and get some get some info on? Get get some I mean, where are they going? Probably somewhere in Fountain Square, knowing luck. God. They got to be. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah, cuz you got to do everything luck wants. If there's any <laughs> chance. Hey, he's coming back. So, he's still under the team's rights, Joey, through 2021. We know that from from the original contract that he signed. I think that's something that we just need to note. <laughs> Just, just to make sure we have all of our our our, our bases you know checked here before um, something. If it would be a miracle, I guess in Jim Mercy's eyes, if, if it would ever happen. So, I again, I don't expect Andrew Luck to come back, but I think the last point I want to make before we move on, Joey, is 
we talked about this upon retirement and certainly in the first few weeks and months after that. I kind of said there'd be three life events and life events might be a might be a, a big term to throw out there. But there'd be some notable moments in Luck's post-retirement life that I'd be curious how he would feel after those. One, watching the Colts play an entire season and your emotions of not being out there every Sunday, mm-hmm. not being in the post-game locker room to celebrate those wins, right. not going on road trips, those sorts of like team competitive win-loss activities that Andrew Luck freaking loves. Two, and this is a life event, he's a father. Mm-hmm. And he's now been a father for over four months. How does he feel? Does he sit there and say, I want Lucy Luck to see me play the game of football. If they're going to have another child, do I want what whoever, uh, you know, Andrew Jr. to watch me play the game of football? And then third, how does he feel once he's fully healthy? And that might, I mean, that was probably the biggest reason he retired. He couldn't endure that pain anymore. I mean, Ursay said yesterday, he walked away from $700 million is the number Ursay likes to throw out there when he talks total contracts, endorsements, all that stuff, which I, I haven't crunched the numbers. It sounds insane, but maybe it's not. Again, he's fully healthy. His dad said it. It was, it was a calf injury. Didn't need surgery. Like, we knew he'd be fully healthy pretty quick. This wasn't like a year-long rehab. How does he feel then? So, again... I get nothing from the luck camp that like he is coming back by any means and I think Ballard Ballard is taking the right approach from it. But man, Ursay Ursay just does not want to close that door. Can't blame him. Can't blame him, but that can't help for the current quarterback that you have on your roster, Jacoby Brissett. What do you have to say about him? Yeah, he definitely didn't say that he misses his friend Jacoby Brissett. Um Chris Ballard Jim Irsay, they continue to say similar stuff about Jacoby Brissett. And I do think, I believe them when they say they think there's more potential in Jacoby Brissett. But then they also throw in the caveat of, he's our starting quarterback right now, and we have to keep all options on on the table. I also appreciated Jim Irsay acknowledging yesterday this quote. We'll put out some smoke signals intended to be misread, and we'll quietly make the pick, and we'll see what happens. All right. Okay. White smoke, black, black smoke. What are we doing here? I was like, can I just go in my car and drive home then? Right. Like, what, what, you know, what are we, what are we doing here? So, I, you know, my gut tells me the Colts will do something notable at quarterback. I, I, I believe that. Right. Um, but they like I they they like Jacoby, and I could not believe Jim Mercy made the comparison yesterday of Jacoby to Peyton in their first couple years. Mm-hmm. I was like, Jim, I, I, I get that Peyton was 3-13 and 13 and then and, and he struggled, but he was a rookie thrown into the fire. How old is Jacoby Brissett? Jacoby Brissett is probably about my age. I'm, I'm going to guess 27. I think he's a little he's 27, you. you're right. 27-92. And he's, what, started over 30 games in his career? Uh-huh. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, 
lot of people feel like he's already reached his ceiling, right. or or we we've already seen that ceiling. Peyton Manning was a number one overall pick, mm-hmm. an incredibly accomplished collegiate football player in the toughest conference in college football. Uh, the Manning genes, obviously, an incredibly hyped up prospect. Like they, there's just it's just different ceilings. I, I that to me was just like a wild comparison to make there. Um, and I think one thing in general with the with the whole um the Jacoby debate because I do hear from more people that are of the belief of like the injury impacted things that was the sole reason why he had the downfall and if you get better skill talent around him he can be whatever top 15 top 10 quarterback who knows I think we need to remember what exactly happened with that injury he missed one week, ne- never missed a practice. So the injury was never enough to sideline him from a practice, yet it took him out of a game, which, again, that was a Frank Reich m- mishandling <coughs> in my mind. Um, his coaches, his position coach, Marcus Brady, mentioned specifically that when Bursette came back, there were a couple of, you know— the top of his drop was maybe slightly affected. And he actually had some decent games when he first came back. And Brady mentioned that when you got to that Tampa game, so four games ago in the regular season, about a month removed from the sprained MCL, that was when they felt like he looked very, very healthy, back to his normal self, and it was of no issue whatsoever. Okay, so let's take the Tampa game and look at the last four games of the season when your coaches, who you would think would want to protect him to the nth degree, when they're publicly stating, no, 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 he he was healthy in that Tampa game. His last four games, Joey. Oof. Do you have them? I don't, but. 52% Tampa. 52 New Orleans. 51% Carolina. And the old whopper to close out the season, 48% against Jacksonville. And his coaching staff is telling all of us that he's healthy. Reich and Sirianni both mentioned as well, like either players play through this injury or we don't feel like it's impacting them much, if any. Mm-hmm. So I, I think like we can't just look at this injury and be like, that contributed to everything. You've got to look at the entire sample size of the 16-game season. You know, I, I don't think we... I don't think we necessarily look at guys when they come back from, again, missing no practice time, but missing a game. It's not like you then take Justin Houston's first four games back and you're like, well, he was never healthy the rest of the season. Like, we almost forget that Darius Leonard missed three weeks earlier in the year. But I don't hear anybody saying right now, like, you know, that that contributed to Darius Leonard not having a, whatever, a first-team all-pro season or whatever you want to label it. So, I, I I would say the other interesting aspect of the Bursette-Ursay quarterback talk from yesterday, Joey, was Ursay mentioned that he will have a say in this decision. That there's four pillars to every franchise. Owner, GM, head coach, quarterback. They obviously have three figured out. They're now figuring out what that fourth is, and that being the quarterback. Ursay's going to have say in this. He doesn't necessarily have say, according to him, and maybe – every single personnel decision that happens. That's why you hired Chris Ballard. Well, my thinking is this. 
if Ursay is going to have say, he's been the owner for, well, since like, I think he's had, you know, when his father passed away, I want to say it was like 96, 97, right in that area. Man. Ursay's only known great quarterback play. You know? So does he think of that and be like, we've got to go get that again? That, like, does he look at this AFC run and in the last whatever it is, 18 years, outside of one season with Joe Flacco with a damn good defense, it has been Hall of Fame quarterbacks leading those teams to their Super Bowl. Does he look at that? I'm trying to find, like, little clues that, that we can maybe point to before the Colts have to make a decision here in the coming weeks, coming months. So, uh, that was pretty much it on the Ursay Brissett stuff. Again, th- everything is up on 1075thefan.com if, if you missed any of this. I did, I will strongly disagree with his assessment that Brissett and Hoyer make up a top 16 quarterback situation in the NFL for m- multiple reasons. First, those two and their individual talents. Secondly, Jacoby Brissett's in a contract year. Brian Hoyer's in a contract year. That's not a very safe quarterback situation. Right now, you and I'm pretty sure Chad Kelly is in this mix as well. I think Kelly only is one year left. You don't have a single quarterback under contract for 2021. Like, so just in general, contractual security terms, you don't know what the future holds at quarterback starting in 2021. So this is where we're at, man. They like Brissett a lot. All options are on the table. I, I wish we had more to go with, but that's what we got. A few more uh, important positions that were addressed yesterday. Of course, Anthony Costanzo, as well as a couple others that we'll get into. What do you have to say about Costanzo? Yeah, well, let's start there, Joey. Uh, the phrase he used was strong likelihood Anthony will come back. Now, he mentioned Costanzo in his opening statement saying, I think we will get a deal done. So I, I wanted to double back. So I asked him, I was like, hey, Jim, when you say, when you bring up Anthony, has he told you he wants to keep on playing? Because I feel like that's the first order of business. Costanzo telling the Colts, yeah, I want to keep on playing. Right. Ursay didn't answer that directly, but he did throw out the st- strong likelihood that Costanzo is going to keep on playing and that he will return to the Colts. So obviously, if that indeed happens, that is tremendous news. It goes without saying. Um and I think we mentioned on last week's podcast, you know, we're trying to get a read on this Costanzo thing a month and a half. And I kind of mentioned, like, isn't it trending like he's coming back? Right. And he's just telling Ballard, hey, go meet with my agent at the Combine, and then you figure out what the market value looks like now that DJ Humphreys has signed his deal and and those sorts of things. Which, again, I'm fascinated to see what the contract looks like because it's both sides have leverage to various degrees. Um, so that was the Costanzo update. Nothing on Adam Vinatieri. Um, he's not closing the door shut on that either. I did find it interesting when he talked about Vinatieri, Joey. Ursay mentioned, and again, this full quote you can find on 1075thefan.com. Ursay says, you learn from things. As an owner, I occasionally step in, but I like to give my people room to make mistakes. Oftentimes, that's how you learn. The best way to learn. It hurts, but you learn that way. Is that him disagreeing with how Boward and Reich handled it? Could be. I just found that interesting that, like, 
he uses the Venetary comet to insert this philosophical sort of right mention there. Yeah, your philosophizer. Yeah, um, that was amidst the the John Lennon white beard sermon, all of it. Uh, and <laughs> then lastly, Johnson. he really debunked the Marlon Mack contract extension. He was pretty adamant about that. Um, there were some misreports that we were pursuing an extension there. That's not the case. I don't know where those came from. Now, he did go on to say, or say did, that they love Marlon Mack, and I think they do love Marlon Mack, um, and I don't think an extension is an absolute must. I think it makes some sense to me, and I've gone over that, 23 years old. Um, I don't think you got to break the bank with it, but at the same time, I totally understand the want or the reasoning for let him play out this final year of his rookie deal. So yeah. it's a four-year deal. He's done it for three years, obviously. Um, he's due to make $2.1 million this year, Marlon Mack, after he made less than $700,000 uh, each of his first three seasons. Good for Marlon Mack. A little pay bump there, huh? Yeah, that is nice. I, yeah. I didn't realize it, uh, it went up that much in the final year of your rookie deal, but that is good for him. He's backing up the Mack truck, you could say, of dollar bills coming in. How about there that, folks? There we go. Had to had to throw a little bit of that. That was in good. There. Yeah. All right. We only got a few handful of Twitter questions today since we'll come back again later this week. Uh, so let's hop into them from Tanner. After listening to Jim Mercer's press conference, he isn't really shooting down the idea of Andrew Luck coming back. There isn't even a smile on his face when he speaks about Luck. Do you see any probability of a reunion between the Colts and Andrew Luck? Much like Costanza's retirement situation, I feel like if something was already decided, then we would have heard about it by now. I may be wrong, but I haven't heard in quote, Andrew Luck is not interested in playing football anymore type of statement. Well, Tanner, it's true. that is fair yeah. for sure. I mean, Joey, if you're Chris Ballard, how do you not sit at that dinner table and say, look, you can have dinner for 90 minutes and 87 minutes can be about, I genuinely care about your life. Tell me more about Lucy, Nicole, yeah. your business endeavors, when are you going to Europe again, all that stuff. But how do you not sit there and go, hey, Andrew, um, you, uh, you know, if you come back, I'd really like to know before I embark on this free agency and this draft. And if you're luck, he knows how an NFL team is ran. Like, he gets it. Like, he's not some idiot. So how do you not at least breach that subject? Because... Let's say Jim Irsay, or let's say let's say Ballard does this, Joey. Here you go, Philip Rivers. Here's two years and whatever, forty million. Hey, um, let's draft Jordan Love at thirteen overall. And then Andrew Luck and June's like, Hey, I think I'm gonna come back. Yeah. Holy shit, you just paid forty million to a thirty eight year old quarterback, and you just used a thirteenth overall pick on a rookie QB. Like you wanna invest those resources into other areas. So yeah, you gotta know. You gotta know. It's like Petey, you remember the Titans, you know? Yes. I gotta know, don't mess with my mind. There you go, right across. Are you in or are you out? And I know that's an awkward thing. You don't want to get there, maybe, but don't you have to? Have to. Gotta have that tough conversation. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. But, yeah. So, Tanner, I again, I don't think it's going to happen, but the owner has that door open. From MCM24. I normally never buy into the hype, but did the Colts make a mistake letting go of P.J. Walker, or is he just looking elite against lesser talent? So he's P.J. now. P.J. He's gone from Phillip to P.J. There you go. Joey, um, Phillip Walker's numbers in this preseason, okay? 
Yep. 50% passer. Mm-hmm. No touchdowns, two picks. Quarterback rating of 53.4. Chad Kelly, 74% passer. Two touchdowns, two picks. Quarterback rating of 94.7. Well, he's, you know, he's the guy to look for in 2020 as a starter, right? I mean, I I think this is more of a product of the XFL folks than Philip. We 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 watched Philip Walker for how many off seasons and preseasons and training camp? Like, no, Philip Walker does not have a future as a franchise quarterback in the NFL. From Gary, what kind of compensatory picks do you anticipate the Colts receiving this draft? Please give a scenario with and without Costanzo. You know, I listen to every minute of every pod. It's just that good. Thank you. Love it. Thank you, Gary. We appreciate that. Um, No compensatory picks this year. Next year, if Costanzo were to walk and sign with another team, you'd you'd be getting a high compensatory pick from that. Uh Uh-huh. I really don't expect the Colts to be getting many compensatory picks next year either because of your own free agents, maybe Funchess. Well, I guess Ebron. I, I keep on forgetting that Ebron is like a free agent. Um, that's why the Colts like don't see the point in cutting him. Like They want to get that comp pick back. So, um, yeah, I would think Ebron and maybe Funches would help you out in that area, but I can't imagine Gethers signing a significant contract somewhere else. Vinatieri, maybe. I don't I don't know. But I don't expect much, if any. This is from Cody. Signature dish in the Colts restaurant that Skoog brought up last week. Oh, boy. Uh, signature dish in the Colts restaurant could be a prime steak called the Fourth and Chew, served with a Melvin Bullet bourbon whiskey. Oh, Melvin Bullet throwback. Look at that. How about that? We, we had a few good uh, dishes that were sent in afterwards. We had um, something about Ted Marchabroda. God, I'm trying to think of what Ooh, it was. Marchabroda. That's yeah, nice. You could do a lot of things with that. Yeah. We could honestly come up with a full menu. I still think the big, you know, I'm biased, of course, but the, the old Big Q barbecue. Yeah, that's good. You know, just kind of flows a little bit. Got a good ring to it. Yeah. All right. From Michael, how much would it take to move up to number three in the draft to go get Tua? Draft picks, etc. Ooh, a lot. Um, oh, yeah. Well, off the top of my head, it would take something like, so 13 to three. You'd have to give up 13. You'd have to probably give up a future first. And maybe like a middle-ish round pick, maybe like a uh, maybe like a third. If you didn't want to mortgage that future first, you'd have to give up. I would almost think, yeah, I'd almost think everything on day two and day three this draft. Yeah. So you know, are you willing to give up 34, 44, and maybe you don't want to give up seventy-five or something? Maybe you want to give up a second next year, which. Again, the odds of that happening probably aren't great, but like if you do make that move and go way up, I would want to keep a little bit of draft capital in place for this year because, again, if you're going to draft that quarterback at whatever, three or five, I think you'd like to give him some other rookies around him to kind of grow with, groom with. Um, now, maybe he's not playing day one, so maybe it doesn't matter, but I just st- still think you need some young talent around him. Last one here from David. Do you think that the retirement of Luck and missing the playoffs 
three out of the past four seasons reset the philosophy and timeline for Ballard in any way, or is he still untouchable? Well, I think he's pretty. I think in Jim Ursay's eyes, he's pretty close to untouchable. Um, I mean, hell, Ursay mentioned Reich yesterday as a top three NFL head coach. Hey, he likes his guys, you know. I'm like, wow, okay. Um, and I think Frank Reich's a really good head coach, to be honest with you. But top three, I don't. Know, I think I can make the argument maybe for a few others. <laughs> but um, yeah, that uh, that one stood out to me for sure. I I, I do think a reset things a bit and Jim Mercer still views Chris Boward in a very very high light and like I've mentioned on this podcast before I think it probably it probably should reset some things but at the same time like I think you got to critically evaluate to a degree you can't just ignore the first three years yes Andrew Luck retired there's also a lot of other roster building decisions that have gone in place non-luck division so um I I think Ursay's comments yesterday reiterate the point of that seat is not very warm at all, at all for either of those two guys, and they're gonna have a um, they're gonna have a couple years to put the they're gonna have a couple years, but make no mistake about it, this year is monumental. And and Ursay said it yesterday. Ursay was not shy about the uniqueness of this quarterback situation and how pivotal of a moment it is for this franchise. Would you agree with what Mike Wells said on JMV show last week, that this is the most important uh, off season yeah. since 1998? Without a doubt. Yes, it is. I, honestly, it might even be more important than that because you knew with that. Yeah. I mean, yes, there was like guess more. I think Manning leaf was more heavily debated than even luck. RG three was debated, but still, there is such an unknown. You have the amount of resources that you do. Now, if this Costanzo domino indeed happens and he comes back, that is a huge step to your offseason. If you can now all of a sudden have Costanzo and you feel confident he's going to play two or three years for you, that is big. Mm-hmm. That is a big-time, big-time move. And, again, that was the newsiest item I took out of Ursay's presser yesterday. Of When you say strong likelihood, Chris Ballard's conveyed something to you. That makes you say strong likelihood that Anthony Asanzo is coming back. So, All right, man. Uh, that's it for this one. Anything cool. else you want to add? No, I think that's it. Like I said, 1075thefan.com will have plenty of coverage all week from over at the Combine. Um, if anyone's in town for the Combine or is going to be going around downtown, you can catch Joey on Saturday over at Two Deep. Too deep brewing. Where so we had the first uh, beers of Bowen. Yeah, that was our first beers of Bowen stop. That's over on Capitol, a little bit north of uh, downtown. And that's at what time? Uh, two to four. Two to four. That's yes. with the guys over at Sick to Football, a really popular podcast. Bleacher Report, Matt Miller and Connor Rogers and and Mello and some of those people over at uh, Bleacher Report. So Joey will be over there, and yeah, uh, both of us will be at the combine at various times throughout. The next few days, and like I said, we'll probably come back Wednesday afternoon with more of the normal podcast, Twitter questions, all of that, once Chris Bauer and Frank Mike meet me. So I'm Kevin Bowen. He's Joey Molinaro. Everybody have a great week, and we'll talk to you in a few days.
This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.